0: Tuesday at 10.30 and 6.30, the women's Bible study will be meeting here at the church in the fellowship hall. And I want to thank everybody that served or facilitated or participated in the July 4th picnic here at the church.
1: Little daughter.
0: We got that mic's working. This one? Yeah. Yell at me again, Jerry (laughs) (laughs) Lyons. I know some stuff. (laughs) Okay. Do I need to go over the first two again? Okay. Tuesday at ten thirty and six thirty, the women's Bible study here at the church. Want to thank everybody that helped with the picnic on the fourth, and there will be a bittersweet sweet reception following the service for John and Kathy even though John's incapacitated this morning, for Kathy and John and all their years of service here. When you move moving? Tuesday? So this is their last Sunday in this church. So I think they deserve a round of applause for all their hard work. And it was definitely a tag team effort. Kathy worked as hard as he did. Yeah, he did. I talked with you. Remember? (laughs) All right, Pastor Chris, contact Pastor Chris if you want to send your kids to the summer camp, July twenty second through the twenty seventh. Back of your bulletin. We have fun here on Wednesday night. Fellowship, Bible study for the adults, little Bible study for the kids. American Heritage Journal. It's always a fun time. Homeschool classes are taking place this Thursday, every Thursday from 2 to 5. Contact any if you need more information. The Thursday evening Bible study that's going through the whole Bible in a year.
1: <laughs> Give or take. Give or take <laughs> a year. Or
0: two. Thursday at 6.30. And Sunday school classes for all ages. Is there any other announcements I missed? All right, if not, open your bulletin. We're going to go through our call to worship, which is Psalm chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Let's give attention to the word of God. But you, O Lord, are, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Now, if you open your hymnals to page 211, glorious things of thee are spoken.
2: ascended into heaven.
0: The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick. Confession, catechism 1643. Question three. I'll read the question. If you'll respond with the answer, what is the word of God? The holy scriptures of the and the of our our, our, <coughs> our responsive reading is Psalm chapter four. I'll start with the first verse. And we'll alternate to the 8th verse. And I have no idea what page. page. 3, 569, I believe. All right, let's give attention to the Word of God. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayers. For man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you know of eight words and see it ever But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry
2: and you do not sin. I'll bring your own hearts your beds
0: and beside us. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord.
2: There many you, say, us Let Let the
0: you have put more joy in my heart than they have when the grain had wide in the of the of life, God, and wide the I and make me you. Amen. I forgot one announcement. The deacon's benevolent phone will be taken at
1: the end of the service. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Now, at this time in the service, we do have a brief time of confession. That's a time when we go before God to set our hearts right before Him, and we can tell Him anything, and we will receive forgiveness. So, at this time, we'll have a time of silence where we can confess our sins between ourselves and God. <coughs> And at this time also we confess our corporate sin. Christian, do you believe that you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? We We do. Do Do you believe that you've fallen short of the glory of God and thought, word, and deed every day? We We do. do. Then if you have rested on the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone by grace through faith, I declare to you what the scriptures themselves declare, that you are forgiven of your sins and you are reconciled to your God. Lord God, we also bring before you our particular petitions today, the many things that are on our hearts and minds, Lord God, our sicknesses, our ailments, and our needs. And we praise you, Lord God, for always being a father to us in all things and always looking out for us. We pray, Lord God, especially for those of us that are struggling with different cancers, for Ava Roten, for Barbara Minor, for Peggy Ford, for Helen McBride, for Billy and Luanne Paris. For Robert McElhaney, for Tracy Copeland, for Johnny Baker, and for any others of our number that are struggling with this dreaded disease, Lord God, we pray for their restoration, their health and well-being, but also for their encouragement according to the power of your spirit. We also pray, Lord God, generally for Jack and Barbara Anthony. We pray for Cynthia Hogan, for Aileen Prude, for Elaine Garner, for Alice David and Murray Rayburn. We pray, Lord God, remembering D and J and Nolan with the recent passing of Nikki, and just pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them during this time. We pray, Lord God, and continue to pray for Michael Fredman and for the restoration of his back after his surgery. We want to pray for a special blessing upon the Tuckers with their upcoming move, Lord God, and just that everything that they put their hand to would be blessed by me. We pray for Martha DeLugan. <laughs> ailments, and now in and out of the hospital, Lord God, we just pray that you would bless her and restore her completely. We pray for Jeanette Lyons, for her neck and respiratory problems, for your healing, Lord God, and for your strength and for her. For Vicki Anthony, Jack's daughter-in-law, her father is in ICU with shingles, and we just pray, Lord God, that you would just restore him and, and bring him back to health. We pray for Ryan and Megan in their adoption process, Lord God, that you would just bless them in all of those matters, Lord God, and bring them the child or children that you have in mind. We continue to pray for Mike and Christopher Smith for their continued restoration, health, and well-being. In all of these things and so many others, Lord God, we just continue to put ourselves in your hands. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless this church in her mission, Lord God, to serve you here and in this community. Lord God, that your, that your gospel would be proclaimed and that people would be edified and strengthened and come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray for your church around the world, Lord God, that you would protect her and keep her safe, especially in places where there's deep persecution, Lord God, and hostility to your gospel. We pray for kings and princes and presidents and those in positions of power, Lord God, that they would guide according to your royal law, which is love. And we also pray, Lord God, for any that are struggling with different financial difficulties here. We know that you're the one that provides for all of our needs. And so we put these things in your hands, knowing that you give us our jobs and our opportunity to provide for ourselves and our families. We thank you for all of these things, praying the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now kids, if any of you want to come up, this is the first Sunday, so we're going to have the kids sermon today. Go ahead and come up, and you can sit right here on this seat. Psalm 103, verse 13, which says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear it. Now, in many ways, the Lord has given us earthly fathers that we love and that take care of us, that make sure we have food and clothing and that type of thing. Our mommies do also. But in another way, God is our father. And he's even our father's father and our grandpa's father. And if anything happens, we know that God is always with us because he is the father of fathers. It's one thing that we respect our parents, right, and those that take care of us, right? Shouldn't we respect them and honor them? In another way, oh, oh,
2: we'll
1: get to this. In another way, you see all these people out here? In another way, they are all mothers and fathers to us. And in another way, even generations that are already gone, that aren't even alive anymore, they're already in heaven, they are mothers and fathers to us. And they have passed us down, not only our faith, but lots of blessings that we can even pay for. Did you know that there were people a long time ago that even died in wars and things to make sure that we could be here at church today worshiping the Lord? They gave their lives so that we could have freedom. Isn't that cool? So we have many fathers, really, but our biggest father is God. One of the ways that our fathers pass things down to us is by writing it down. Now, I don't know how many of you have used before, but uh, this hymnal that we have is a collection of songs from the past that's been passed down to us by previous generations. What number is that one? Number 34. Now, I just went to a thing uh, last week And a guy came up to me that I had known for a while. And the church, they started singing something out of the hymnal. And he he whispers to me, even though he's a grown man, I don't know how to read these songs. (laughs) I can't keep track. It seems like the lines are all messed up. We are going to spend a minute went over that now. It's, it's number 34. Now, the way you know which one is number 34 is everyone has a number at the top. And so it's easy to find number 34, right? You guys can share them. Don't you? Okay. Now, here's the thing that gets confusing, okay? The first line has a one by it, right? And it says, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. But shun is on the next line, right? So we don't go to the line right under it. We actually do the first line of the second box. It's called the stanza. So we read the first line of this box, and then to go on, we do the first line of the next box, and then at the end of that one, guess what we do in the third box? The first line of the next box and then the first line of the next box, right? So instead of them all being written in one box and then in another box, the way other songs are, these are written in lines. Now, there's a two there too, and that's called the second verse. And it says, Praise to the Lord, who are all things so wondrously reigned, and then the rest of the word is on the next box, F. and then you sing the second line of the next box, and then the second line of the third box, and then the second line of the fourth box. Does everybody get that? I know it's a little funny. Most of the time we learn this automatically just by doing it in church and stuff like that. But a lot of people want an explanation because they're not used to reading them like this. Now the dots up there, all those funny dots that you see, those tell you how to sing. That's a little more complicated. We won't go over that today. But basically, when the dots go up, your voice goes up. <laughs> when the dots go down, your voice goes down. Uh-huh. I always wanted to sing bass. Jack Anthony can sing bass, and I cannot. But I wish I could. So that's what these are doing. So we'll go ahead and sing this song down. So, one of the reasons that we have this collection of songs is this collection of songs is a collection from Christians that goes back. Almost two thousand years. So every church doesn't use the hymnals. The hymnals are important because they are part of the music of our fathers, 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 to a hundred and possibly a thousand generations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This plastic thing is called a guitar
2: pick. We use it to strum the guitar.
1: You guys all know the piano, right? Well, a piano is a fat guitar that sits like this.
2: <laughs> and it has hammers
1: that hit the strings. So to make a small one, they took the piano and they put it sideways and made it so you pluck the strings. So they're basically the same instrument, but this is much easier to carry. I <laughs> Yeah, Chloe says she has a toy guitar (laughs) at home. It's a Princess
2: Elena one. It's a Princess Elena one.
1: You don't have a guitar? Maybe we can talk to Mommy and Daddy and we can fix (laughs) it. Okay, let's try this song. Here's the way the song goes. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Okay,
0: Precious Heavenly Father, as we come back to give just a portion of the many blessings you give to each of us, Lord, we pray that you would take this, these offerings, multiply them, and use them to spread your gospel throughout this city, this county, this state, and this country, and this world, Lord, in your Son, Jesus' name, Amen.
1: we give back to you this small portion. And we pray that you would use these funds to increase your kingdom here and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now today we're kind of in Matthew 6. And we're kind of in Romans 8. But we'll start in Matthew 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Verse 9 Pray then like this Our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord our God, you are our great God. You are above all things. You created all things, and for your purpose, you have brought them into being. By your grace and by your mercy, you have drawn us to yourself. You've even drawn us into this room this day. And we praise you and thank you. We thank you for all things in the name of Jesus Christ as you lead us into your word. Amen. Amen. So our Father in heaven, we have to remember how amazing it was for the New Testament saints, for the apostles, and for Jesus himself to kind of give us the authority, the opportunity To call God our Father. Because really it is one thing to call him our God, because he's a consuming fire, right? But it is a whole other thing to come into his presence and say, yeah, but you're also our Father. And do we remember the term that Jesus used for God his Father? Abba, which is the Jewish term that's analogous to our Daddy or Papa. So there's this familial intimacy that we come into with God that's just different from anything that's ever happened before. And the reason why is because God sent his son into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And we actually have a person with flesh and blood and skin, someone that struggles with sins even as we do, though he never failed in them. Somebody that we could touch, and that really we still could if he were here and so God brings us into this familial intimacy. And so the first thing that Jesus says when he wants to teach us to pray is our Father who art in heaven. Let's not, let's not fail to be overwhelmed by this aspect of theology, the fatherhood of God, because it's a real thing. It's not until we get to some special verses by the Apostle Paul where we really start to understand what it is that we were creating We understand all the way back from the Old Testament that we're created in the image and likeness of God. But in the New Testament, we start to really understand when the Apostle Paul uses the phrase, the offspring of God, which is very interesting. We know we're not as offspring the way we have offspring, but at the same time, we're like him in so many ways. And he loves that we're like him. We've talked many times about the fact that it's a crazy thing for God to create people out of our own bodies, right? That they sit around in us, you know, not us, but you ladies, but they sit around in us for nine or ten months, and then they come out of us, and then they feed from us, and he does all of these things really to teach us things about himself. It's a very different thing. And so what the world looks at and says, well, this is just simple biology and chemicals working themselves out. We can see and understand as an amazing spiritual event that God has ordained and strategically made for a very specific purpose. It's wonderful. And it's amazing. (laughs) Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is one of the places where the Apostle Paul starts to understand exactly what we've gotten ourselves into by being the children of God. Now there's this distinction that happens in Scripture, and it happens a lot, about the difference between being a creation of God and being a child of God. And that's one that's part of our heavy theology It's not really shared with every church. It's one of the very important things. God created everyone in the beginning, and Adam and Eve were his children and offspring, but the scriptures teach that they lost that status. Actually, when they fell into sin, they turned themselves away from God, and they couldn't reach him anymore. They were cast out of the garden, and actually an angel with a fiery sword was there in the garden to guard it to keep them from coming back in to close communion with God. And that's why all through the Bible, it's taught that close communion with God is regained through the person and work of Jesus and not by our own efforts. So that we can come in and be his children again. So there's a restoration that happens. There's an adoption that happens. There's a rebirth that happens. In John chapter 3, we have that famous passage where Jesus explains to them, you know, you have to be born twice. The first time you're born of water or born of a woman. The second time you have to be born of the spirit or born from heaven. You must be born again, he says. We're born once, and we're natural, and we understand the natural world, and we're born again, and we understand spiritual things, and we're transformed by it. And this world becomes the world that's kind of smoky and ghostly to us, and the next one comes into a sheer and sharp focus. It's our future. It's where we're headed. You all know that I've been at a few funerals lately. And funerals are hard. They're hard because we're losing someone that we care about and someone that we love. But there's this other side to it that's really wonderful. When we understand that that person had faith and that person's a Christian, we know that what they're going to is something more glorious than this place. In one sense, we're crying and we're weeping for them. In another sense, we're kind of saying, right on. Because what they're going to is something they've been planning on going to all their lives, and they're finally realizing something that has been their hope in this world. You know that verse in 1 Corinthians that says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love? One of the interesting things about that verse and an important thing that's easy to pass by is that faith, hope, and love are different things. This is one of the most important teachings of the Reformation, but it's easy for us to pass it by. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest one? And if we're all the same, aren't they all the greatest one? Faith is believing things, right? It's believing in Christ and believing everything God said in the Bible and especially believing the gospel. All of these faith things are faith and believing. But hope, Scripture says, is always about something unrealized. So the hope that we have in this life and the hope that we have for the next life, it's always something you don't have yet. You don't hope for anything you've got. You only hope for things you haven't got yet, right? Now what that verse means is in faith we believe Christ But on the last day when we are resurrected from the dead and we are with him, we won't be believing in something we don't have. We will be face to face. And so in this lesser sense of the word faith, faith won't even be necessary because we will be right there. Hope won't be necessary because we won't be believing in something that we want to get. We will have something that we wanted to get. But love is eternal and unchanging because we will always have love even when that sense of faith and that sense of hope disappear. right? And so in this life we live in hope of the next. We live in hope of the next. There are more beautiful, more wonderful things that can happen than anything that has happened in this life. One of the important things that I usually talk about in funerals is the intergenerational nature of faith. What was the one thing that Abraham wanted more than anything else? Offspring. And a lot of us kind of think, well, that's a little weird, right? Why is that the number one thing? Couldn't he adopt and stuff? Well, he actually did adopt. It says in Scripture that he had guys that he had adopted that were going to inherit, and those kind of things happened, right? Right? But for whatever reason, God had put in him this deep desire that he wanted to have an heir. He wanted to have a child. And this thought consumed him. And God used it against him, as he often does with the things that we want most. And God came and said to him, you know what? I will give you an heir. And that heir, through him, I will bless the entire world. And nations will come from you. Not one, many nations. And at the end of time you will not be able to count your descendants they'll be as numerous as the stars of heaven and one of the reasons why that even Abraham might not have understood in its totality is that those descendants would come from every nation, tribe, race and tongue on earth he was talking more about his spiritual offspring through the gospel and the coming of Jesus than he even was about the physical offspring but eventually he had that son Isaac, right? And what was God's great test for Abraham? Because there were many tests for him, but there was one great test. Sacrifice. Sacrifice his son. That son that I gave you, that I promised you all those years ago, that you waited almost a lifetime for, I want you to take him up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him to be his a offering. offering. It says later in the New Testament, it gets into the psychology of Abraham, and we find out that he knew too much about God to fall for it. But at the same time, it says he would have went all the way through with it because he knew God even had the power to raise him from the dead. But he knew that he would not lose his son and that God really has no interest in that kind of weirdness. But he was faithful, and finally, for the first time in his life, he completely trusted God. And God said, now I know that you love me because you wouldn't even hold back your only son. And that's a picture of what comes later when God would not hold back his only son but gave him so that we could live and be restored to the fellowship of our Father God. Another thing about funerals is that it's usually people from previous generations who are going first, as is right and just, right? And it's easy for us to forget things like what previous generations have gone through and done so that we can all be here today. There's a reason that they call that generation, it wasn't really that long ago, the greatest generation, right? It's not because they necessarily can do all the things we can do. They didn't even have a cell phone or a laptop, (coughs) but they fought the wars, they built the bridges, they invented the airplane and the battleship, right? Well, we call them the greatest generation because we look back on them and we think, what integrity, what honor. And we look at ourselves today and say, do we still have that? There have been different generations where this happened before. Solomon's generation and his people being the descendants of David's time, looked back on David's time and said, man, can we measure up to these guys? And they kind of corporately say in scripture, we couldn't. We can be ourselves and we can do our own thing, but we will never be as great as our fathers. What's the one thing that a father wants more than anything else? For his children to be better than him, right? When we look back at this, we need to remember that our entire culture has a parentage. It didn't come from nowhere. It didn't just pop out of the earth one day. It was passed down historically from parents to children, from parents to children. In a very similar way, our faith has been passed down from parents to children, from parents to children. God was not making a quip. Or a false analogy when he said, you know, those that hate me, I will hate to the third and fourth generation. But those that love me, I will love them to a thousand generations. Because that's what we've seen in history. We should always remember that when Jesus started out, it was just him and 11 guys walking around in the desert. Now we got about 3 billion people on earth that call themselves by the name of Christ. That kind of record of success is really hard to match, right? I'm one of those people that really believes that Islam and Hinduism, they're going to fade over the next few hundred years. They can't compete with us. What do they got? Really? You know, Islam, it only increases at the edge of a sword. If they're not killing folks, they're not growing, right? If we're not loving folks, we're not growing, right? And Hinduism is just pretty weird. (laughs) If you ever study it, they've got 30 or 40,000 gods. They do all kinds of different things. People are just confused by it. So right now we are witnessing the beginning of the largest explosion of Christianity in India in the history of the world. And that even counts the times of the apostles. Because as far as we know and understand, the apostle Thomas brought the gospel to India 2,000 years ago. But it became a tiny number through time through the oppression of different religions. So we get to the place where we start to talk about what it is to be a child of God. First, the Apostle Paul in chapter 8, he says this. We'll go through this whole paragraph before moving on to what we're really looking for. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we do get to this point where he's starting to talk about life and death and the manners of it. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. See, the law wasn't weak and the law wasn't bad. But because of our flesh and the weakness of it, the law was bad for us. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Now, I know we're getting into some mystical things here. We're talking about spirit and flesh and that kind of thing. But all of you have a flesh, and that's easy to see. And all of you have a spirit, and that's not that hard. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is talking about the basic distinctions of the only two kinds of human beings that exist. I know you guys might think that there are lots of different kinds of human beings, but really there's two. Those in the spirit and those in the flesh, and those are the only two categories that God cares about. They're big categories. (laughs) Those in the flesh are those whose biggest goal in life, what they ultimately love, is something merely of this world and for their own glory. Whether that be academia and great degrees and the sciences, or whether it just be drugs and alcohol and fornication, whatever it is that they worship, it's of their flesh, and they are caught by it like a fish in a net. But those who live by the Spirit have passed these things by, and they look at spiritual things as the most important, and God is the most important of all. You, however, here talking to the church, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He's talking about this stuff, this stuff, which isn't actually your flesh. When he's talking about your flesh, he's talking about your fallen sinful nature. I saw this amazing analogy the other day of all the good things and all the bad things. Here's how it happened. I'm driving around with the kids. The kids want something to eat. They're crying in the back seat. You guys have been through this, right? What's the easiest, fastest way to get food in your kids when you're driving around? McDonald's, right? So I pull into McDonald's, you know, and it's the Golden Arches, and I've been going there for 50 years. I know where to get my French fries, right? And I'm pulling in, and the line is long, and the line is slow. And I notice, you know, there's people hanging around in the parking lot, and there's trash in places. Finally, I get around to a little speaker, and I can't hear what the guy's saying. I'm saying, I want five Happy Meals. And he's like, <laughs> five Happy Meals. <laughs> and then I see on the screen, it's not five Happy Meals. I don't remember what it was, but it ain't five Happy Meals. I know that. So I'm like, five Happy Meals. <laughs> I pull around. There's some kid there. He's like, he looks like, you know, he's scared, all right? He's touching stuff. I'm like, I just need five Happy Meals. You know, that's all I mean. And, uh, you know, so he goes in. You know, he takes my card. He disappears for like half an hour. I'm like, he's definitely charging like stereo equipment. <laughs> at this point, he comes back. I pull up to the next window, and, they, and they're all running around in there. And there's like 50 cars behind me. And she says the, the words you never want to hear at McDonald's. Could you just pull up and park over there? (laughs) Like, oh. And I pull over there and I park over there. And it's like five minutes. And then I'm not kidding you. It's ten minutes. And finally I gotta go in, right? So I go in and I'm like, hey, here's my receipt. You know, I ordered some burgers. And they're like, oh, Janice gave away your burgers. Like, Janice gave away my burgers? Well, just give me some other burgers. Give me anything. Give me potato chips. I don't care. i got to get out of here. And so they come back a couple minutes, and they go, oh, no, Janice dropped your burgers on the floor. I'm not exaggerating.
2: <laughs>
1: finally, they get me some burgers, right? And I go out, and I'm, like, traumatized by all of this. And finally, the kids get their burgers and all of that. But then the next day, we're in the same situation again. And we have to get some food. And we're down the street here. And somebody, maybe by the providence of God, opened up a new Chick-fil-A right down the street.
2: <laughs>
1: and I'm wary, because I'm still a little shaky from my McDonald's experience. And we pull in, and everything's clean. And I pull up, and there's not outside, on the cement, where we would order. There's not one but two young ladies standing there, smiling, saying, hi, can we help you take your order? And we're like, yes, help me take my order. <laughs> and I'm talking to them. And they get the order, and I pull up just like 10 feet, and there's another young lady who seems to be there for the singular purpose of saying God bless you to me, which she did. And we blessed her back, didn't we, Like, oh, God bless you, too. You know, I pull around, and they're ready for me, and he has my card for two seconds. Then I pull up to this next place, and I see light coming out of a window. I thought it was the Shekinah Glory, but it was just this kid's braces. (laughs) He comes out. He says, hi, Mr. Chris. I'm like, well, hi. (laughs) I'm like, how does he know my name? He's like, we've got everything ready for you. And they give me. everything. Do you want more napkins with that?
2: I'm like, yeah, I want, I want more
1: napkins. <laughs> this one would be fun. And <laughs> you know? so I'm like, can I stay here forever? <laughs> like, on a call call your mom. We're moving into Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but it was just a different experience, was so different, you know? And, you know, I know it's, like, completely ridiculous have to have analogies of being in the flesh and being in the spirit by, you know, a hamburger and a chicken stand, right? But really, there is one, because the things that we have in Christ, he makes everything beautiful for us. He's working hard to make it all so lovely, and the only people that can mess it up are the patrons, right? There are these some things that are planned to be a certain way, and then we go experience them, and they fall flat on us. They're, not, they're just not very good for us or in us. They're not even that healthy. We're just trying to get some salt, fat, and sugar in there, you know? And then we go through a different experience and we see that there are beauties here that we have not yet realized that will witness to us of the mercies of God. Here he says this in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not come to receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. That word I brought up, adoption, is not just what I'm bringing to the table, it's right out of the text. We have kind of lost our relationship with God, but he adopts us back in Christ. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. There it is. It's not just Jesus that said it. Even the apostle Paul, when he's teaching us about the fatherhood of God, says you can cry out Abba. You don't have to say father. I don't know how many of you call your father father. Some families are like that and stuff. I don't think my kids have ever called me father. I'm daddy or dad, right? This is the word daddy. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, this is something a little subtle. It's talking about the fact that your spirit within you bears witness that you're a child of God, that he has made you alive spiritually in a sense that you know this, You feel this, you experience this, it's known. He's your father, you're his child. And if you're his children, then you are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Does anybody know what Christ inherits? The universe. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In other words, he was God's only son and he suffered in this life, you know what? You're going to suffer in this life too. One way or another, either God or the devil will arrange it, but you're not going to ride for free. This life is not for the escape from the suffering of this world. It's for the invitation to the suffering of this world. We can talk about that more another time. And then he says this in verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is yet to be revealed in us. For even the creation itself waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We're going to stop here so we don't go over long, but this entire chapter just goes on. Hitting and hitting the fact that you are the children of God, the offspring of God, that he is our father and we are his kids. And we can say to him, Abba, and he hears us every time. Let's pray. Lord, our God, we we thank you for this amazing thing that our spirits bear witness with your spirit that we are the children of God, that you have known us and you have loved us, that you always have your hand on us. And that you will work out all things for the good of those that love you. We praise you and thank you for this great gift that you've given us, Lord God. And please help us to learn to love each other the way that you have already loved us. And we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As our gentlemen come forth to receive the deacons. Isn't that the day, Mark? Yeah, the deacon's offering. The deacon's offering is specifically for needs associated with the four that the deacons take care of. And the rest of us will rise and sing the next hymn, which is number three, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
3: God, our Father, Abba, as we come to you uh, this uh, morning, we are so grateful and thankful for the ministry that Kathy and John has uh, given us for all these years that they have been with us. How grateful, how thankful we are that you, in your mercy, brought them into this church. And we give you thanks, each and every one of us. We praise you for them. We pray, O oh God, that you will be with them as they go about the, the new adventure, as they're about to depart from our presence, but only for a time, because we know, oh God, that you will bring them back to us often, and we give you thanks for this. Lord, we do pray for John this morning as he is suffering from this uh, issue with his, uh, his stomach. We pray, O oh God, that you might lay your hand upon him, restore him to health, bless him, And now as we are about to go into the fellowship, we ask your blessing upon each and every one of us here as we celebrate the ministry and the gift that we have received through Kathy and John. Bless them, Lord, in their adventure, and we praise you for them. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.
1: (laughs) There's a reception for the Tuckers in the next room. Uh, Please come. and. And uh, wish them well. May the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, and may he give you peace. Amen. Hello, my little
2: rosebud.